2: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
3: Well, hello, Dumpty Dummers everywhere. Nicholas Barnes here from Vitel. No, no, stop. Don't skip this bit. I've recorded a new message for you. Because, due to popular demand, I've made a little change to the code I wrote that lets you record your Dumpty Dum. You now have the choice of hearing the theme tune in your ear at normal speed or 25% slower if you don't want to be hurried along. Are you sitting there without a clue what I'm talking about? That's easy. Just dial 0203 031 3105 right now and have a go at recording your very own Dumpty Dum by choosing option 2. That's 0203 031 3105. What? what, what, What's that? You don't want to record a Dumpty Dum, but you do want to leave a message? No, that's even easier. As well as the email and speakpipe that Royfield and Lucio mentioned countless times, we've got two more choices for you as well. As before, you can call 0203 031 3105 and choose option 1 to leave a message. You already know that. But, and this is the new bit, you can now text the show too. Simply send a text message starting with DUM, that's D-U-M, to 07786 That's 07786 And make sure you start your text with the word DUM. Oh, and don't forget to put your name on it too. It's a normal number and texts are charged at your standard network rate, just like texting anybody else. Now, I've only set this up for three months to see how it goes. If it's used, then I'll keep it going. If not, well, nothing lost. So that's it. Leave a message by dialing 0203 031 3105 and choosing option 1. Sing, play, hum, drum or whatever a dumpty dum by calling 0203 031 3105 and choosing option 2. Or text a message by sending dumb followed by your message to... 07786 200
4: 690 Have fun. This podcast is a Royfield brown production. Find others on iTunes. Alright.
2: This is Dumpty Dum. Sponsored by Managers. <laughs>
5: Dum 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 Dumpty dum 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 Dumpty dum 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 dum
6: this is dum dum the show about the reality docu drama that are centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the golden episode that is Roy Field-Brown, and with me, folks, I have Her yeah. Majesty. No, stop it! Her <laughs> Majesty's ex-Principal Secretary of State for the Home Department, normally referred to as the Home Secretary of the Home Office, and a senior Cabinet Minister in Her Majesty's Government. She was also the first female Home Secretary that is... Jackie Smith. Good heavens, folks. I tell you what, we don't mess about here at Dumbdy When we want the big guns, we get the big guns. And the last part of this week's BBC repeat, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumb, Dumb is brought to you from Margot and Freya, little Freya who kind of burped her sheep bleat. Uh, Jackie, if someone would like to send us in a dump, Can I call you Jackie, actually? Shouldn't it be your right honourableness or Yeah, something? I
7: think it should be, to be honest with you. But Mom will do just for the sake of the Right, <laughs> <laughs> well,
6: I'm tugging my forelock, Mom. Right. <laughs> mom, if Thank someone you. would like to send us a Dumpty Dum, how can they do that? If you would like to
7: sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105 or leave us a message on SpeakPipe. And I think I need to say thank you as well to Yokel Bear and Millie Bell, our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her voices, and to Derek for the loan of the back bedroom. And I'm not quite sure what you do in the back bedroom, Roy but
6: No, we're both there together. Oh, sorry. This is the whole conceit that we're in Ambridge and Derek Fletcher has lent us the loan of his back bedroom to do the podcast.
7: Lovely. You nicer people I've been in a back bedroom with recently. <laughs> <like
6: that. laughs> On this week's episode, folks, we hear views from Iris from Germany. She's back. It's Guten Morgan from uh, Iris. Margot with a hard tea in New Jersey. Glyn, Andrew, Dusty Substances, Francesca from Cardiff, Old Grey Whiskers, Fiona, Sister Sally, Ed, Glyn, and Tony. We've got lots of calls, Mom. Achelia. They're great. Yeah, that's great. Almost don't need the BBC to do new episodes of The Archers because we seem to be having more listener interaction with the old episodes. How have you found listening to to the, the BBC repeats of The Archers?
7: Well, I you know, some of our listeners I know have said things like they thought the second week was better than the first week. I well, agree. Well, well,
6: but mom, Mom, are you getting oh, ahead sorry. of yourself? Oh, are you sorry, getting ahead of sorry. yourself? Because I know you've actually listened to them. Right, because for security reasons. I think I think your Secret Service details said that you had to listen to them first, (laughs) didn't they?
7: (laughs) Yeah, that's the man with the gun in the corner. Yeah. Yeah, but but
6: like let's have the illusion that you're listening to them fresh. Let's just forget what you've just said, right? I'm asking you about you. Like, so you how do you feel listening to the old episodes? Look,
7: I've got a very, very long archer's history. I started listening as a child. I have enjoyed listening to them. Mm-hmm. I preferred the sort of more dramatic second week than our, than the sort of slightly soppy, well, with the exception of Tom's wedding or, or failure to wed um, in mm. the first week. But no, it's always lovely to go back, isn't it? And I, I'm not quite sure what we've got this week, um, what type of thing we've got coming up this week, but I think there is some really good stuff that has been Missed, actually, so far. Oh. Some people dying, some quite important people
6: dying. Um, you know, obviously we had a bit of Siobhan, but we didn't uh, you know, have... you, you know, you talked about people dying. Mm-hmm. Which current character would you like dead? <laughs> <laughs> Come on.
7: Who's going to get coronavirus and not recover, you mean? Mm. Um, we'll possibly Philip. Although oh, yes. I mean, honestly, can, can we bear it if Kirsty has to go through tragedy again again
6: mm. now you know you said we always like to go back right were you referring to uh, your political career you'd like to go back to or was <laughs> this nostalgia in general because it'd be great if you gave us a scoop here on dum-de-dum and you know you you know restarted your political career so what you know what were you really getting at when you said it's always good to go back I wasn't getting at my political career. And I'm afraid
7: you're not going to have that scoop. So, you know, I was uh, not assuming that everybody knows who I am. Incidentally, I was an MP for 13 years, and I was Mm -hmm. a minister for 10 years. And as you say, in one of those ministerial jobs, I was the Home Secretary. And just to be clear with our listeners, given that you mentioned, you know, the armed protection, which incidentally I don't have anymore. uh, If you watched the TV series, The Bodyguard, Mm -hmm. um, it was really, really good. But, you know, those bits in the hotel room, that isn't what it's like.
6: (laughs) (laughs) So what you're saying is you didn't fancy your your Secret Service detail. Is that what you're saying? I,
7: I didn't say I didn't fancy them. I said I didn't do anything about it (laughs) incidentally I didn't fancy them they were lovely but doing their job as was I at the time (laughs) so no I don't want to go back to being elected no no
6: you have not got that scoop sorry well well more mum. so you just want to be like what just ennobled Now, aren't people like you in the Houses of Lords? Some people like me are in the House of Lords, but I'm
7: not in the House of Lords. And not everybody automatically, not every Home Secretary even, has gone into the House of Lords. So, you know, if I was asked by Keir Starmer, would I go? Probably yes, because you you don't get to be a successful politician without having a certain amount of ego. But, um, and because I quite enjoy all of that parliamentary stuff, but, Mm. um, No, I'm not. I'm not in Parliament at all. I'm free. I describe myself as a recovering politician and I'm able to speak my mind about all sorts of things.
6: But, you know, you might be a recovering politician, but you're always a fan of the Archers. That never leaves, though, does it?
7: Listen, before Parliament, during
6: Parliament, after Parliament, the Archers has been part of my life. Which politician would you say is the biggest Archers fan? Other than you, of course.
7: Um, Oh, that's a good question. I mean, it probably was me. Let's not forget, I talked about the Archers in my maiden speech. What? So you know, yeah, you know, the first speech you make when you're elected as an MP, mm. you mm. talk about your constituency. My and constitu- yours is
6: my, You're the it, M- M- a, MP for Borsitcher. Oh I, my um, gosh, you were! Yes. You, you, the, oh my god! I had I just realised. Yes. So Redditch in Worcestershire.
7: Part mm. of the constituency was the village of Inkberrow. In the village of Inkberrow is the the bull. The bull yeah. yeah, and it was suggested. Well, there was a bit, little bit of an argument because just down the road, not in my constituency, is Hanbury. and mm-hmm. some people argued that Hanbury was the basis for Ambridge. And apparently, I don't know if this is true. The church bells in Hanbury were the bells that they use when they are ringing the bells. You know, when Neil, or that's whoever where are you buy the Neil
6: Carter. Exactly,
7: mm. exactly, but. I did mention the Archers in my maiden speech, um, and I did, in fact, claim at that point, 1997, that I thought Pat and Tony had probably voted Labour.
6: I don't want to go back, because, you know, you said you don't like going back. That's where you've made (laughs) that very clear, right? But I remember that day, that day in May in 1997, and the Mm. sun came out for the first time in, like, 18 years. I I just... It was just... (laughs) It really did <laughs> <laughs> I remember walking down this walk down a street in Brum in the jewelry quarter, and strangers looked me in the eye and just smiled. Strangers, you know, I thought it was in another country I, I'm wiping away a little chewy tear um, <laughs> just before we come on to the caller caller sorry, what does one do when one retires from parliament? One constructs for themselves what a big media career they go on to L- LBC, they get friendly with with Ian Dale? Apart from all of that stuff, what else have you been up to?
7: So, I, I mean, it's not that easy, even if you've been a very senior minister, to build a new career after you leave Parliament. And, you know, leave Parliament is, of course, a euphemism in my case for losing mm. my seat in 2010 when uh, Labour lost the general election. And so I've done a variety of things, but now I'm pretty well settled. I chair... The NHS Foundation Trust, which runs the hospitals in Birmingham, particularly the QE mm. Hospital and the other hospitals in Birmingham. No, know it I, well, yeah, yeah. I che- which incidentally is the hospital that you remember when uh, Tony was kicked in the chest by the bull.
6: Yeah, Otto. Yeah, this is the hospital to which he would have been flown in the air ambulance. You know what? Fair play to you, ma'am. You know your archers, don't you? <laughs> You're not faking this. Just on that, I
7: can't resist, I'm afraid, a little bit of bragging because one Mm. of the other things that happens is you you do get invited onto TV programmes and things like that. I was invited onto Celebrity Mastermind. What was my specialist subject? It was the archers. How many questions did you get right, Jackie? I hear you asking. Mm -hmm. What do you feel? The answer is I got all the questions right in my specialist
6: subject. Drop, 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 drop. <laughs> wow! <laughs> when I told my mum that you were coming on, she went, "The Home Secretary, that Jackie Smith." I went, "Yeah, my mum, went, right." <laughs> and I must admit, Let's I was mom. a bit, I was a bit nonplussed myself. I went, "Yeah, well, you know, you know, she's happy to be working with me, mum, but now." Like, you've got a proper big Archer's brain on your mum. so. Um, <laughs> well, listen, I am...
7: when I told my mum I was recording mm. it, she was chuffed. And she said, oh, what is it? What is it? I'll have to check it out and download it because she's a massive Archer's fan as well, as are my two sisters. It's mm-hmm. a sort of slightly painful thing for everybody else in our family that, you know, if, you know, in the good old pre-COVID days when we used to have Sunday lunches together, Mm -hmm. almost invariably the conversation would turn to what was happening in the Archers that week. And, you know, the younger people or sometimes the men folk um, some of whom were Archer's fans, but not all, would sort of slightly groan at the fact that, oh, this was it. And one of my kids would probably say to me something like, mum, you know it's not real, don't you? At which point he'd be banished from the room because clearly he just doesn't get it.
6: What we're going to have to do, mum, is well, let's go on to Caller Inners. And... Let's be really quick with our answers when, you know, when people ask questions, have comments about the archers, and let's just get back to talking about you and your love of the <gasps> archers. Right. So let, they're just collateral damage. These caller are just collateral damage. All right. So let's first have a little bit of this. Hello. Average
8: 3962.
6: First off top of the shop, it's Margot with a hard T. She's from New Jersey.
5: Good afternoon, Royfield, Lucy, and Dumpty Dummers all over the world. It's Margot from New Jersey. This week's episodes I enjoyed a lot better. Um, They just had some really emotional scenes that I didn't really expect to hear. And I enjoyed hearing some of the old voices. And it reminded me how much I loved Tony Archer's voice. From years ago. And I've never heard the old, or is it the new Clary's voice? Because I know that the actor had, or actress had changed from the old one to the new one and then back to the old one. But I really enjoyed listening about the Grundy's eviction from Grange Farm. And really, when Brian confesses to Jennifer and hearing her emotion and knowing how Debbie was involved in the unraveling of the affair with Siobhan. And by the time I started listening, Siobhan had already died. So I never got to experience any of that. So it was really interesting for me to get to hear that. And I'm looking forward to listening to this week's as well. And I think we only have like 10 days to go before we hear some new episodes. And I'm really excited about it. Hope you guys have a great week.
6: Thank you for that, Margot. Obviously, when you were a politician, right, when you when you a no- one of the holders of one of the three major offices of state and all of that. Um, you must have been sent all over planet Earth, ma'am. <laughs> um, were you able to still catch up with the archers? Do you know, I pretty
7: much think I was. and um, Because that was, of course, pre-podcast days, wasn't it? But even mm. then, I would... Um, if I hadn't been able to listen during the course of the week, which I often wasn't able to at that time, I would listen on a Sunday morning to the Omnibus. Now, probably I listen slightly less than I'm able to listen now or than perhaps I listened before. But no, I nevertheless did always listen. Yes.
6: And you know now, because you're you're like hardcore Ambridge, do you double dip? Do you listen to the episodes like in the week and then the Omnibus? Yes, yeah, well?
7: som- sometimes I do actually. Yeah, I largely listen um, on podcast why so you know i have them on my phone and i'll listen when i'm walking the dogs or uh, you know i don't i don't do housework if i can possibly get away with it but you know that that type of thing i'll be listening
6: yeah why don't you do housework do you see secret security detail do they do it for you how no, does that
7: work i'm too flipping lazy that's why i don't do it you know my view my view of housework is you you do it all and then 6 months later you've got to do it all over again
6: so <laughs> But that's the reason why you get your hunky Scottish security detail to do it for you, surely.
7: (laughs) Well, one, as I pointed out to you, I no longer have a security detail. Two, Mm. it would have been wholly appropriate getting them to do my housework. So the truth is, I do do a bit of housework, but it's not something that I enjoy or particularly relish.
6: I'm not being funny, but you sound a bit like Ruth Archer. Do you have a Jill there to do it all for you?
7: Yeah. Do you know, funnily enough, whilst we're recording this podcast, my mum, who is also mm. called Jill, has just arrived at my front door with some recycling bags. And, and a dustpan any... and brush. And, no, unfortunately, <laughs> no, 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 because she's... <laughs> she has not come here to um clean my house. No, no, I... I know what you mean, except I find it a bit of an insult to be called a Ruth because she is not one of my favourite characters. Oh. So no, don't you? Oh, she's a little bit feeble and a bit whiny sometimes. So, um, but in terms of my approach to being a good housewife, I suppose yes, it is fair to say that I'm a bit more Ruth than I am Jill. Yes,
6: gotcha. Right. Collateral damage is a second person that's getting in the way of us having a chat. It's Andrew Horn.
0: Greetings earthlings, Andrew Horn here. I hope you are all staying safe or rather even staying alert. Oh yes, indeedy. And good old archers, what do we need at this time? Um we need lots of life affirming and joyous things to listen to. Oh, no, let's have a load of grim storylines. <laughs> of foot and mouth, of floods and uh, and, and the like. Um, still, I suppose it's like banging your head against the wall. If you then stub your toe, it takes away the pain from the former. So what did I take from this week? I did like rehearing the Brian Jenny scene. And I did in particular, we had Jenny's mantra for her life. Take what's good and ignore the rest. Her pragmatism—that's what's got her through and keeps going—and that episode was an all-time classic. And um, the flood, uh, seeing Rob as a decisive man in a crisis before we all knew what he was—he was, uh, was like—I'd I'd forgotten that he, even then he came across quite sort of as quite a bully. Uh, at the time, I seemed to think he was a bit of a bit of a hero on that night. Um, and I enjoyed also Pat's uh, magne- magnificent um, taking down of Arstula, who was still enthralled to Rob uh, after the court case. Although I seem to remember that Arstula um, saw the light only about a week later. I think it was fairly quick after that that um, that uh, that she she realised he wasn't he wasn't perfect. And now a comment on the Alistair call on Friday night. It was lovely to see so many fellow dumpty dummers uh, there. I've spent quite a lot of the call scrolling round, just uh, just having a having a wee peek, and lovely to hear um, the 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 interview as well. Um, the question I would have asked uh, had uh, had we not run out of time. Was uh, was around the uh, did Alistair go a bit mad at one stage? And I know this is uh, Dumpty Dum territory uh, and history about horse paintings, um, but but interestingly, at the time that didn't resonate with me. And I do remember the Dumpty Dum calls afterwards, um, thinking, "You know, what did I miss with the old horse paintings?" And and it was interesting that uh, that the actor also didn't seem to pick up that reference to horse painting. So maybe it didn't happen, or certainly he didn't think that it had any relevance. Anyway, it was was a lovely evening um, and I hoped to join another one uh, before too long. So uh, keep up the good work, Roy Field, and um, speak to you all soon. Goodbye. Thank you.
7: Roy Field, can I ask you a question? I don't understand Andrew's reference to the horse paintings. I wasn't able to listen to that to that Zoom programme, by the way, but I mm-hmm. didn't I didn't understand the reference. What was that about? Now his is go-
6: is betting, his gambling debts or- no, this was about three years ago. Yeah, it was 2015. This has kind of gone down in, in folklore now. There's a scene where Alistair um just randomly says he's having dinner with Shawler. And we think that he says horse paintings. And it was totally random. And it was on Twitter. Everybody says, what? He just said horse paintings. And it had, there was no lead up. There was the not talking about paintings. She'll asked Alistair something and he said horse paintings. And then that was that. And I think we've misheard because then on Friday, when we had our Dum-de-Dum does Zoom with Michael Lumsden who plays Alistair, Uh, it was one of the quiz questions I said after the flood of 2015 what did Alistair do did he say horse paintings did he become more boring or there was something else I can't remember what the the, other thing was but all three were correct and I said to Michael what was the line about horse paintings and he says I can't remember ever saying that but I so Uh I'm thinking but but loads of people on Twitter at the time said why did he say horse paintings? A total non sequitur. It made no sense. And so people were speculating that he was going to lose his marbles because right. he just said this random thing. I think we've misheard, but it's gone down in legend now that the, the character of Alice has said horse paintings. That's what he's referring to.
7: Well, I'm very glad that I have come on your podcast and <laughs> learned that.
6: <laughs> well, you are the first person to get some breaking dum-de-dum news. Do you like to hear it? Go on. Hot off my mobile phone, Graham Seed, who played Nigel, has agreed to come on and do a Zoom chat with us on Friday at 7pm, folks. So you've heard it here first. That'll be brilliant. We did a dinner with him about three years ago also, and he was a little bit... He was much shyer than I thought he would be, actually. There was about 60 of us that had dinner in his honour, and he came along him and, and his wife, and he was, he was very humble, very humble. But I think I can safely say this. He's still hurt about the death of Nigel. He said it was totally mm. unnecessary, and he loves the arches inside out. You know, he thought he, drew, he got the short end of the stick just because it was the 60th anniversary. You know, they yeah. wanted something dramatic to happen, and and he got it. And, um, yeah. yeah. You know, he's still a little bit sore about that, but... Um, so there you go, folks. Well, what you need great. to do if you want to join myself and Graham Seed, a.k.a. Nigel, you need to DM us on Twitter. The details with the password will be on our Facebook group or on the Flick app. And we will have this live on YouTube. So if you haven't got your head around Zoom, don't worry. There will be a link about 15 minutes before we go live. We'll give you the link. You can watch it all on YouTube, were you a bit of a Nigel fan? I guess you were.
7: Well, um, I always thought he was a bit of a sort of idiot, but I do agree with him that it always felt a little bit gratuitous to throw him off the roof in the way in which hmm. um, he was. And, in fact, do you know how much story really developed from that? Obviously, all of the sort of grieving. Would Freddie hmm. have gone off the rails in quite the way he did without losing his dad? I don't know. But, you see, when will Elizabeth get a new man? That's the other question because she did have a little shenanigans, didn't she, with, um,
6: with Roy, Roy, uh, Roy and, at the and festival. Ift- and <laughs> Car as well. But there, she didn't fiddle with Car they just you know they, they just got close they just got a little bit close and then uh, she she yeah. backed away she needs and a new bloke though doesn't she does she are you being heteronormative why does a woman need a man come on
7: <laughs> like officially to bicycle do you.
6: <laughs> <laughs> you have a chap Mom.
7: Well, well, um, I've just I'm relatively recently separated from my husband, so um, oh. I don't have a I don't yeah uh, he was an archer I mean we're friends, um he was a big archer's fan so it wasn't that that came between us I can say but uh, mm. um no I'm sort of well we perhaps will will um come to it later because I'm sort of in the dating stage,
6: really oh yes. my gosh well there's a caller in her later on that talks about that. <laughs> Well, you must like Brummies because like, you're the MP for Redditch, which is practically Birmingham. <gasps> Don't say that in Redditch. It's Worcestershire, mate. Um,
7: but I do do a lot okay, of work. Well, in.
6: <laughs> wait I do on on a, a minute. Of work wait in on a minute. Let's <laughs> say this person who's born and bred from Redditch is on holiday in Marbella. And somebody comes to them and says, where are you from? What yeah. do they say?
7: Well, all right. You think you've got Mm. me here. And it is true to say that they would probably say, when I did live in Reddish, I used to say um, it's North Worcestershire, just south of Birmingham. Birmingham. In other words, yes, you do have to describe it in relation to Birmingham in order to get people to understand where it is.
6: Yeah. So you quite like Brummies. How about shortish, handsome, dark chaps that run podcasts, (laughs) (laughs) Mum? (laughs)
7: <laughs> gorgeous from the sound
6: of it <laughs> exactly exactly right andrew horn we thank you for we thank you for your call sir andrew horn's a real like stalwart listener i think he's been listening since about episode three or four comes all of our live shows we love andrew down there in surbiton uh, here's another uh golden oldie not in that she's long in the tooth but in that she's been with us a long time it's our dusty you're up
8: hello It's Dusty Substances here, the wrong sort of listener. It's Friday, and I think we're about a week-ish away from the new coronavirus context episodes. And I'm assuming that we might hear from Fallon, who is going to do her public-spirited bit by opening up the cafe to do takeaway cakes and bread and that sort of thing for the uh, village. And to keep the place going. And so I would like to know, as a matter of some urgency, where is she going to get her baking powder and yeast, let alone flour? It's been an absolute bugger in West London, getting any of those things most of the time. And I'm only feeding um, a prodigiously hungry husband, uh, let alone a village. So uh, I think I would be interested to hear all about that. I've enjoyed hearing the Zoom thing. Sorry, I haven't got my act round actually taking part in one yet, but you never know. I hope everybody stays well and I'll speak to you soon. Take care.
6: Bye. Bye Bye-bye, Dusty. Um, She's so right. Uh, What about the yeast? About the flower,
7: yeah. But
6: how would how would you know? You just, you outed out yourself as not being extremely domestic, not not even extremely being domestic at all. How would you know? I
7: quite like cooking, and but I wait a
6: minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Wait a minute. I thought all <laughs> you politicians were out of touch with, with the common, with the common man, so to speak.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I do know what it's like to queue mm. outside Waitrose to get in there. And for there to did be. Did you say
6: Lidl? Did you say little?
7: No, I did say Waitrose. <laughs> 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 and for there to be mm. no flour or eggs when you get in there. It is slightly better now, to be fair. But I think Dusty has put a finger on one of the sort of terrible things about the lockdown no flour. That and not having a hairdresser.
6: Mm. Well, you know, you can just do what I, I did. I went to uh, Wilco, was it, and bought myself a pair of clippers. Easy peasy Japanesey.
7: <sighs> My hair's a bit I longer looked...
6: than yours, I think. And That's because you haven't got the clippers out. I tell you, bish, bosh, bang, I'll have you looking like uh, somebody from Tenko in no time at all. Perhaps you know, we could ab- get
7: Ed and Jazz around with their shears. <laughs> <laughs> Do
6: <Yes>. some
7: shearing. <laughs>
6: Well, they're always looking for extra work, aren't they? Indeed. But how, how would they manage to do that if they're social distancing, though? Mark? Oh, mm,
7: How would that work? Good point.
6: Mm. Right. Let's hold that thought and let's go on to Francesca, because I think now you're going to bring up your dating in after this. <gasps> so here's Francesca's call. Here we go.
9: Hello, it's Francesca here from Cardiff. So I've been thinking a lot about that lady who phoned up before, uh, who said, oh, I was wondering whether she should have that she's an Archer's fan on her dating profile. Well, um, I've been doing a bit of online dating and I don't have it on there, Um, so I don't have an answer for that. But I have found that The Archers has been useful in the dating world for me. Um, Something that actually happened to me, I was on a date, got a bit drunk, ended up inviting them back and then realised I didn't quite want to follow through with, (laughs) with any shenanigans, let's say. Instead of... Well, I don't know, I don't want to say, instead of looking frigid, because obviously it is a woman's right to choose, as we all know, but um, my drunken mind thought what was the best way of getting out of this was to say, oh, it's such a gripping storyline with the archers right now, Um, I really need to listen to it, it's been playing on my mind and I can't relax, so can can we just put the archers on? And um, did that. By the time the archers had finished, he was asleep. So, yeah, fantastic. Yet another good use of the archers. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, thanks. Bye.
6: I love that story. but That is a classic story. That doesn't say an awful lot about, you know, the drama they were listening to, because he should have been on the edge of his seat listening to the Farron Produce show, shouldn't he, really? <laughs> or Linda going through yet another rehearsal on the panto. But, but, he, but he wasn't. So, Mum. If you are an ex-politician, you mm-hmm. know, and unfortunately your marriage has come to an end, mm-hmm. but you still would like, um, you know, special cuddles and c- a companionship, companionship, <laughs> right? <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. Special cuddles. <laughs> um, what what does one do in a situation like that? Does one just whack out your phone, install Tinder, and, and away you go? You know, how does it work?
7: Um. <laughs> Uh I suppose you do it like most sort of uh well, not most, but I mean, if you're asking me, have mm. I used online dating? the answer is uh yes, I have uh and um I haven't had hundreds and hundreds of dates, incidentally, um, and I'm seeing somebody who's very nice at the moment. Um, but uh, and no, Francesca, I didn't ever put the Archers on my dating profile. But if I need to go back to it, I think I might do actually. So yeah, you just do it like that, and the in, of course, it's a sort of a bit tricky in my case because. What's tended to happen is that you sort of do a bit of messaging and then a penny drops with the person you're messaging with and they either – well, some people have just stopped messaging me. I don't know whether that's because they didn't fancy me or because they'd worked out who I was. And then other people go, oh, by the way – and they're actually really sweet about it and they go, oh, um, uh, don't, don't worry, I know who you are, which is also a bit weird, except for one famously I said he was very sweet and he – told me his name and said, you can, uh, you know, check up on me. And I said, my name is Jackie Smith. Don't Google me. And Mm. uh, he replied, oh, well, if your name's Smith, there's going to be loads of you on Google, so I I wouldn't be able to find anything anyway. (laughs) And then about 45 seconds later, he sent another message in which he said, what, the Jackie Smith. (laughs) And he's a politics lecturer. So um, that just shows that... You can't necessarily
6: assume that people know who you are. So I can't believe you've come on my podcast, you've been flirting with me outrageously and now you tell me you've got a boyfriend. <laughs>
7: <laughs> this is Sorry, terrible Where's behavior. the flirting with you? Mom. Where's the flirting Mom. with you outrageously? I've just been I've just been friendly. <laughs>
6: Deary me, deary me! I think we just best get on, get to the end of this show because you know what—you've you, got a lot to answer to, to to your boyfriend when you when
4: you come off the mic. Let's have <laughs> old grey whiskers. Hello, you two. Tis old grey whiskers here. Now then, I dunno what's happening with the archers because I don't get it on my podcast thingy no more, and I can't be available when tis time to listen on the wireless. So, anyway, I don't know what's going on, but I see a lot of people commenting and whatever. Anyway, I just hopes so that tomorrow, when I can get all this technology sorted out, I might be able to join me on the old Zoom, is it called? Anyway, we'll give it a try and we'll see how we goes. But, anyway, that there Royfield, he said he don't care when people calls in. And I have to tell him I don't care when I calls in either because I be a listening <laughs> to a podcast and I be a calling in whenever I hear something interesting. Not very often, I have to say. But anyway, I does call in when I hear him say something interesting. By then. Oh, thank you for that, Mr. Whiskers.
6: Um, Bless. So, he's got a, he's got now, a touch
7: of Nelson, Gab- Nelson Gabriel about him.
6: He does. He does. He's from Dorset. Um, is our old grey whiskers and he came to our live show we did a live show in Birmingham um, in November and he came resplendent in country gear he was mm. proper handsome with, with his old grey whiskers but he, he, he was he's a proper handsome man and um and yes and and he I think he, he puts it on just a little with the old yokel accent but mm. uh, so I asked you and I didn't get an answer you're such a politician. You evade answers all the time, don't you? I ask you a straight question. Right? <laughs> and I said <laughs> 20 minutes ago, who would you want to have bumped off? And you went Philip Moss. But that was yeah. easy. That was an yeah. easy answer. Easy answer. So come on, be controversial. Right.
7: Um, oh, my God, I want them all to, I want them all to live forever.
6: Well, um, that's not really what you said about Ruth Arch, you No, that's you true. Said, you said she was whiny generally, when this question is posed to people, they go Peggy Archer, Peggy Woolley, sorry. And I think that is, that's a bit of an easy one. No,
7: that's too easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because actually, no, she is, how amazing the age that she is to carry Mm -hmm. on, you know, just being able to talk, let alone anything else. Brilliant job. Um, No, I wonder, I think it has to be somebody a bit younger because then that creates more shock, doesn't it? And Mm. Um, sort of despair how about um how about um tom's uh new wife what's her name natasha Natasha. how about natasha gets poisoned by a makeup stick or something but but you know what No. but then he can get back together he can get back with together with kirsty once philip
6: is off the scene Mm, you know what you pulled that one kind of out the fire because (laughs) i was gonna say there's no tension with natasha dying because we're not emotionally invested in it she's still too new right Mm, but then you very cleverly have linked it back to kirsty who is beloved by us um older listeners well watch it. it well no when i say older I did kind of there was a pause then because I realised in the great scheme of things I only started listening to this in 1984, so I still got my you know my water wings. I'm still new to this. What year would you have started listening? I know you listened to it on, on your mother's knee, but yeah. what year approximately?
7: Oh God, I don't know. Probably about probably late seventies when I was sort of mid teens. I am 57 mm-hmm. now, so um, yeah, mid teens. I probably started listening when, you know, we used to have it on in the evening where my mum was preparing dinner and then mm. we'd probably eat
6: st- almost straight after it. That would have been around about the time that the Grundys were introduced. So yeah. I'm guessing then that that really informed your teenage brain. And, then, and that's the reason why you, you got into red left of centre politics because of the <laughs> oppression <laughs> that the Grundys suffered consistently at the hands of the system, surely.
7: Um, it would be lovely if that was the truth, but I'm afraid <laughs> it wasn't. And um, it was rather more to do with the fact that my mum and dad were both very politically involved. And I've been interested in politics for as long as I can uh, remember. And I haven't, very, you know, with the exception of my maiden speech that I talked about, I mm. haven't very often made the link, the links to the politics of, of Ambridge, actually, I sort of really, really? no, because I see it as a, enormous um sort of escape from life and to be honest with you I'm not looking forward very much to Ambridge catching up with Covid because there's been something so lovely about going somewhere that isn't locked down and isn't you Mm. know suffering like like we are in in you know up to a couple of weeks ago and um so I'm not particularly wanting things to be realistic and I'll be interested in how they do it.
6: Mom, mom, I I must admit, you've you've completely bamboozled me now, because surely the story of Ed and Emma not being able to get a home in the countryside, you can't get much more real politics than that. That's politics hitting you in the face we don't have enough houses within the UK. And the fact that young rural adults have to leave the countryside and go to the city, because number one, there aren't the job opportunities. And if there are, then they can't even afford to stay in the countryside. How can you not see the politics in that?
7: No, 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 I'm not saying I can't see the politics in it. And I think you're absolutely right. Although I would probably argue that back in the sort of late 70s, early 80s, when I started listening to it, I I think there was less politics. I mean, if you think about, you're right, you know, that whole every time anybody loses a house in Ambridge, it is really difficult for them to get another one. Although, Mm. uh, interestingly, they always sort of manage it. Uh, And that's, you're absolutely right. You know, the housing shortage, issues around jobs, Obviously, we had, you know, some really interesting stuff about coercive control with Rob Titchener. We've got modern day slavery. You're right. They do political issues really, really well. I still do see the archers as a bit of escape from what happens in the rest of my life. And incidentally, to go back to one of the caller inners, I don't mind. I think it was Andrew. I don't mind that it's depressing. I don't need to be uplifted by it. I can be uplifted on the basis of at least things aren't as bad as they are for, you know, so-and-so. Or I don't need it to be all cheery the whole time. In fact, I sometimes find that a bit irritating, the cheery bits.
6: Gosh, were you a goth in your teenage years?
7: (laughs) 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 I was slightly more into, I mean, I I now live back in Malvern, which is Mm. where I actually grew up. And in Malvern, we had the, we still do have, but it was called then the Winter Gardens and it was a big, concert venue that was on lots of big tours so I was a bit more punky than Goffy I did go I did see Susie and the Banshees in Malvern mm-hmm. Winter Gardens that brilliant I saw ACDC I saw the Buzzcocks I saw all sorts of different um bands so I was a bit of a, a bit punky and a bit I quite liked a sort of bit of heavy metal as well still do in fact
6: goodness the, the genre music, which was invented in my hometown, heavy metal. Just Ooh. quick plug, everybody. You probably know that I do a whole load of other podcasts. I do a show uh, called The Things That Made England, uh, which is where I sit down with my podcasting husband, David Crowther, and we just have a nice little Leslie chat about cultural totems of the land that we love. The next episode is about youth cultures, because there's one weird thing, Mom. not that we came to any conclusions about this but when you think of youth cultures specifically let's say from the birth of the teenager in america from 1950 to and i think youth cultures really die out in the mid 90s they're almost all exclusively english not even british whether it is punks which is kind of half shared with america Uh, you have the ramones but really it's punks mods rockers Skinheads, New Romantics, Acid Teds, Soul Boys. With the exception of hip hop, every mm. global youth culture is actually English. And um, and the, the weird thing was, which I hadn't even really considered until we did that show, which is going to be the next one, everybody. So please listen to it. The Things That Made England, which actually I do with Luke Baxter because David is poorly sick at the moment, is goths. Goths are the only youth culture which has never really died out. So you still get the odd goth in those little English towns kind of hanging around in the town centre, shuffling about uh, and, and talking about poetry and whatever. So I throw that mm. in just because Mom, Jackie Smith, a right honourableness, led me down that path. Let's go back to the archers. <laughs> Sounds, really have... Sounds really interesting.
7: Sounds really interesting.
6: Let's have Sister Sally.
10: Hello, everyone listening to the Dumpty Dum podcast. This is uh, Sister Sally. I am now a second time caller Inera. I've been listening to the revisited episodes and just had a few notes. First of all, it's just a bit weird hearing different voices. So I think the actor that played Tony on the clip where the Grandies were evicted was another Tony. And there was a different Clary. And I do remember those people being, having different voices, but it takes so long to get used to a new voice that um, it sort of shocked me a bit because I thought, oh, who's that? Um, I just hope they don't have any episodes with the old Pip or the old Tom, um, because that would just be too much because they were just too irritating. I think like most people... I would shudder. I shuddered with dread at the sound of Rob Titchener's angry voice on a couple of the episodes this week. Um, my 11-year-old son was really shocked to hear just how cross and angry he was, particularly during the Flood revisited episode. He just exudes just anger, power control problems, megalomania, uh, my poor uh, boy just said, who the hell is that? And isn't he a really bad guy? And I said, yeah, I'm afraid he is. And I think, you know, what people were talking about last week about maybe some of these episodes are, are like a precursor to what might happen in the future. Oh, my gosh. Do not let Rob Titchener come back yet. I mean, I don't think we're ready. I don't think we can handle it at all.
7: Thank you for the courses to Sally. Rob Titchener, big, bad. You see, I agreed with everything that Sister Sally said up mm. to the point where she said, don't let him come back. Honestly, he was so entertainingly evil, wasn't he? Is he in Canada Ooh. at the moment?
6: Yes, he's in yes. Canada. That's where people get banished to. Like, Tom went there as well for a little bit, didn't he? Yes, that's true. But, but it's a convenient kind of location far enough away so you can forget all about them, but you kind of know that they are going to return. You know, mm. hope so. Mm. Um, other than Rob, in your time listening to The Archers, which are the big bads have you? You know, have you really disliked? You gone? Oh my god! But like, you know, love to hate though.
7: Oh, Matt Crawford, such a good character. Um, and uh, you know that whole on-off with Lillian was just uh really really good. Um who else? Oh, who was the person that did the bad the bad by Elizabeth? Cameron was it? Cameron um, Fraser. Yeah, yeah. He was he was very bad as well. Um yeah, and Simon, who was awful to Debbie. Um uh, mm, yeah, those yes. sorts of people.
5: Yeah.
6: yeah. So you've talked about men that have jilted women there. Yeah. Mm. Just saying, what? just saying. So you didn't talk oh, about. I see
7: what you mean. Do you think? Do you think I'm channeling? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but there haven't been
6: so many. You, so you, what kind women you, have there you know been you then? Said that. Oh, Heather Woolley.
7: <laughs> she is dreadful. Oh yeah, no. She... Yeah, you're right. The dreadful Ursula Ashler, as we as we've already heard about today. There yeah.
6: you go. There you go. Yeah, uh, then right. there was Nigel's mum. She she's a piece of work as well.
7: <gasps> oh, and his Julia. Sister...
6: Julia. Yeah.
7: Yeah. Oh yes. His his sister who came and tried to get Freddie to go with her. Yeah. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Yeah. The actor that played Nigel's mum. Did you know she actually died in the green room of uh, the Archers? Did she? Yeah. Yeah.
7: You may not know this, Royfield, but it's actually not allowed or not possible to die in the Palace of Westminster. So, I mean, of course. It obviously is. But if an MP or a member of the House of Lords dies whilst they're in the Palace of Westminster, they will always announce it as something like they died on the way to hospital or something like that. So it shouldn't wow. be possible to die in the Arches.
6: Gosh. You know what? I've really learned something today, Mom. Thank you for that. I <laughs> am <sound> so surprised. <laughs> No, 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 no. But that's just generally something which I'm just going to squirrel away in my little noggin and I'll bring out at some, you know, I'm not going to come out with quiz questions or something or another. Where is it impossible to die in in the city of Westminster or something or another? It's like I was told that the Queen, if she dies in Buckingham Palace, she's actually going to die in Balmoral. So her body can go on the train and have that journey back to London. Did you know that?
7: Oh, wow. I did not know that.
6: Yeah. Yeah. And so when I was told this, I was like, what's the point of that? And then I thought, oh, no, when Princess Diana died, bear in mind she didn't die in Westminster, but there was that kind of stately procession, wasn't there? And people came out and saw the train, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah. Things you learn from listening to a, a show about turn. the archers. we taking a happy turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You know who's going to really lift our spirits? It's a call from Ed. Do you know that Ed works in the cabinet office?
11: Really? This is Ed. Hello, you two. Ed from Margate back again. Couldn't agree more with what you said about why they've picked these archive episodes and why they couldn't have put more on, 4 extra or something like that. As a relatively new listener with only a decade of episodes under my belt, I've definitely learned more about Jenny Darling this week and some of the other characters. I also wonder whether some of these were picked to remind us of backstory, which will be revisited again soon. Maybe Ian Evan were going to go through some marital problems, Chris and Alice, Kathy and Kenton to prepare for Kathy coming back, perhaps, and some Siobhan backstory about Rory. I agree that Joel Archer dying would have been a better one to have, but we've kind of handled that already with Johnny coming back into the village. So on a couple of them, Alice and Chris coming back. I think this is actually my first, if not one of the very first episodes I listened to, I really enjoyed Jenny Darling's snobbish response. Oh God, I'm related to a horribly. since wondered whether one <laughs> of the monologues might be Alice drunk all the time and the penny dropping with Chris that she's got a problematic relationship with alcohol. And maybe they did rush into it all very quickly. Siobhan and Brian, it was incredible reaction from Jenny Darling. I hadn't heard of this before and always wondered how it all went down since Rory came back. I don't know what followed on from this, but from the sounds of it, Siobhan realised where Brian's heart really lay, and I guess she popped back to Ireland one after. And of course, it was lovely as always to hear from Debbie. Uh, the Grandy eviction was good to hear, but my my word, old Tony and Pat, just shut up and bog off. We don't give a damn about your stupid new shop. Just another poorly planned, poorly researched, and dullest ditch Ditchwater business proposition. So glad we haven't heard one of these in a while. The eviction was terribly sad, though, particularly when Tess came back. It was very odd to hear old New Clary again. So for somebody who's been listening for only 10 years, it was really lovely hearing some of these. And... In answer to Royfield's question, no, I'm not one of those painter hipsters, but I do do a bit of other stuff like orchestras and choirs. Um, that's all from me. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Ed, from Margate. Um, right, ma'am.
6: Yes, yes. Were you paying attention? It sounded like you were distracted. You weren't playing on your phone or something, were you?
7: <laughs> no, I was under No, no. Honestly, I was I'm absolutely concentrating in paying attention, Royfield, I promise you I am. Mm,
6: good, good. Right, because <laughs> we're gonna go on to Glenn right now, and then I've got a hard hitting question to ask you. So <gasps> do you remember when okay. you used to, like go on news night, like yeah. grilled by Paxman or whatever? Right. One of those types of questions is coming straight after Glenn. Okay. Brace yourself.
11: Hello, Dante
1: Dum, Glenn here. Some reflections on the second week of Archive episodes. A better crop than the first week, in my opinion. I think for the second week running, the cream of the crop was an episode with the Aldridge family, where obviously the one where Brian confesses to Jennifer about his affair with uh, In Over that 13-minute period, we got a realisation from Jennifer that this wasn't just just another affair. Brian's realisation from Siobhan that... Brian wasn't going to leave Jennifer, and a realisation by Brian that perhaps he could lose everything. So, superbly executed episode, that one. The Grundy's leaving Grange Farm, I think a close second, but I think because we know that they eventually go back there, the impact of that episode a little bit dulled the second time round. Still very moving, and actually very poignant to hear Colin Smart playing playing Tony as Colin is no longer with us. The episode with the um, with Helen getting her boys back, I think that feeds into Royfield's theory that these uh, episodes are also foreshadowing things coming up because that's, of course, the episode where Tom and Kirsty have their one-night stand. The floods, well, showed how nasty Rob was I always thought the floods were a bit contrived at the time, so that was okay. Brookfield in lockdown, I can see why they had that episode. But for my money, I'm afraid just too much burp fry.
6: Stay safe, everybody. <laughs> have a great week. Thank you very much for the podcast.
7: Thank Can't you, have too Lynn. much burp fry.
6: <laughs> really? That's going to be the hard-hitting question I was going to ask you. Where oh, do it's... you stand on Borsitcher poetry? Go. You what? <laughs> <laughs> I told it was going to be a tricky I, question. I never said we- that to Jeremy Paxman. <laughs> I should have done. <laughs> do you like a bit of Bert?
7: I, yes, I do like it. No, I, I see where you're coming from now. Yes, I like a bit of Bert. I like a bit of, even like a bit of Burt poetry. I miss the whole Bert-Joe sort of rivalry. Um, presumably there isn't going to be a flower and produce show this summer. So it's we're not going to miss that in terms of the battle for the prizes. But um, no, I, I, I do quite like a bit of Bert, yes. Yeah. Hmm. Have I fallen
6: foul of the dumpty-dum vibe now by saying no, that? No, 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 no. I, to be honest with you, I, I think Bert doesn't get quite enough love. I love, I have... So, you know, we have Alistair, Jim and Jazza all together. Yeah. And that's one of the things we talked about on Friday with Michael, that Alistair has been reborn as a character. He was literally grunts and noises off for mm. like for years. There was, there was literally no point to him. And as soon as him and Shula were up the wazoo, all of a sudden <laughs> it's like unleashed him. And there's been a tiny little bit of another kind of trifecta. There was a little little instance with the two Fair brothers because they both now live with Bert, don't they? Oh,
1: yeah.
6: And we've had had a little bit of that a couple of times about Bert's socks being, you know, like hung out and whatever. And it's one of the things we said to Michael is that, and we said this to Charlotte the week before, Charlotte, who plays Susan. Mm. Listening back to a lot of really old episodes, some of them are bad. And, but really, and, and I love the Archers. I wouldn't be doing this otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. I'm qualified to just call something as it is. When something's bad, it's just bad. But the quality of the episodes get better round about the mid 70s. You can listen to some shows of the late 50s and they're dreadful. There's one episode, and I've said this a few times now on Dumpty Dum, but it's an episode from about 1958. And it's people in the bull singing country songs the whole episode. And somebody walks in and says, I want to sing a country song. And it's probably like Walter Gabriel. And he goes, "Delay, delay, delay, dum, delay, delay, dum. And then there's a round of applause. And he says, oh, I've got another one. And it's some posh fair brother. And he goes, oh, in the the valleys and the world, it's the whole episode. It's dreadful, Jackie. (laughs) By yeah. the mid 70s, you can listen to those episodes, and okay, they sound quite wooden. Everybody sounds very plummy, with the exception mm. of like Walter Gabriel.
7: Mm.
6: And I'll say this online somebody from the Academy Archers said female writers came into writing the show in the mid 70s. Julie Birchill. In 1980, writes this great article where she says the women of Ambridge have been freed from their shackles of just making jam. Now they can be post-menopausal; uh, they can be, you know, have postnatal depression. They're real kind yeah. of characters, and you know, it's just the change of the writing staff has really brought that to the fore. So female characters really got fleshed out because before it was just all men talking about farming and relegating the women to making jam. One of the unintended consequences of this, I would say, is that the male characters subsequently have slightly become 2D, or at least male-on-male relationships. So it's really lovely to see Alistair, Jazza, and Jim, and the way that Alistair and Jim Sorry, Alistair and Jazza could support Jim last year yeah. with the abuse yeah. storyline kind of came to the fore. And we've had a little tiny weeny whiny bit of it with the Fair Brothers, their interactions with each other, uh, but then with the introduction of Bert. So I would mm. say that the female characters are the stars of the Archers. They are the matriarchs. It's Linda and Robert Snell. It's not Robert Snell and Linda. Mm. You know, it's Lillian and Anne. it's Lillian and Matt or Lillian and Justin. It's not Justin and mm. Lillian, etc. Mm. And as it should be. So it's really nice when you get these groups of of men together, and you can see that dynamic between them, kind of like play out. Film test, isn't there? Where it Bechtel. can two Bechtel. women, yeah, yeah ex- exactly. Yeah. And and and, yeah. it, and it's such a really good indicator f- for you to see that female characters are written well in the one continuing drama where female characters are written well. It's the Archers, and we almost need the opposite of that. Helen Archer can't stand her, but she's a fantastic character. Yeah, um, Shuler, brilliant character. There's nuance there, there's depth, there's pathos, Peggy even. All the female characters in The Archers, I would contend, with the exception of, let's say, Ruth. Ruth is, n- Ruth doesn't have the rich character layers of a Shula or of a Helen,
10: mm. but
6: the primary female characters are written with such a depth that most male characters aren't, with the possible exception of Brian. You know, yeah. The possible exception of Brian. Uh, I'm, I'm wittering on. Uh, No,
7: that's really, really interesting. And I think, and you've made me think about it and you, and I think you're absolutely right, actually, Roy Yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't hold out a lot of hope for the Fair Brothers um, and Bert, but, you know, but as I've said, I like Bert, but I think the Fair Brothers are just, well, they're interesting, but they're dilettante and, um, well, I can never tell one from the other. You know, one of them's um,
6: all right. and Yeah, Toby is just a waste of space isn't he but they they've misnamed them toby's a rex and rex is a toby just the name yeah. alone yeah. you know the names <laughs> are actually the wrong way around but i understand the reason why the Fairbrothers are back in it because they always were. They were mm. the landed kind of family of, of the village and they disappeared in like in the 70s or so. Mm. So for, for, for older listeners, listeners of a certain vintage, they brought back the surname, Fairbrothers. And, of course, then it was that resonance with uh, Elizabeth as well. Yeah. So, you know, that yeah. Fairbrother did her wrong as well. Hence, yeah. then Jill can be all funny about them and stuff yeah blah blah, blah, yeah. blah. but anyway right I really thought you were going to use this as a political soapbox as a way of relaunching your political <laughs> career mom I really did I was really worried I just thought you know what you're going to be ranting and raving and whatever Keir Starmer this and that and then Labour partners going this direction and, and one or the other but you you've you really kept it on script to the archers well done well done. we'll have you back again uh, but let's, well, in that um, case, can I give a little plug for a podcast in which I do do a bit more politics? And that's the
7: podcast I do with Ian Dale, For the Many.
6: Yeah, that, you know, that was actually going to be the hard-bitten question I was going to ask you. But all right, <laughs> let's do Tony, occasional Tony first, and then I'm going to ask you the question, which is on everybody's lips.
2: Ooh. Hello there, it's uh, occasional Tony. Uh, uh, trying to remember why I called in again. Anyway, yes, I called in because... There's no Archer's Omnibus, which is how I listen to the archers. Now, I'm not complaining to you guys, because I know you don't run that part of the world. It is rather short-sighted that they're not putting it out, because as a jobbing gardener, that's how I earn my living, I listen to podcasts for six or seven hours a day. And therefore, it's important that uh, I don't lose an hour and a quarter, which was the archers slot. So, I've had to find an alternative, and I have. It's called Farming Today.
1: And there's all these <laughs>
2: real farmers on there with real problems and lovely different voices. They don't sound like somebody who's left RADA last week. It is really good. It's six days a week with a sort of omnibus on Saturday. Yes, and <laughs> it's a fairly good weather forecast. Anyway, I really enjoy what's going on with you guys and uh, I'm never going to replace the Aaron and uh, 40 minutes that you sometimes take up and it could even be longer. I really enjoy it. (laughs) Um, I did like Lucy's comment that the BBC are running out of money. Maybe they're running out of money because they pay their managers astronomical salaries. In fact, I noticed that one in a year has a pay packet which is larger than my pension pot was after 50 years of very hard work and saving. I think that's where their problem is. Anyway, you two, you guys keep up the good work. It's fantastic that you do and your performance is getting better every week. Bye for now.
6: Was he talking about you on that other podcast and he said your performance is getting better every week,
2: Jackie?
6: <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs> you are listenership. <laughs>
6: <laughs> so, here's here's the question, right? Now, Ian Dale, he's got quite the political brain as our as Ian Dale, yeah. right? And um He's a formidable broadcaster. He knows his stuff, but yeah. we've thrown you into the into the lion's den here now, right? You know, you've come up against me. Who's the better co-host, <laughs> me or Ian Dale? <laughs> come on! Oh, you, you
7: you can't ask me to say I just publicly. Have. That's like I just asking have. me to choose between my children. Well, listen, so you describe. You, oh, why...
6: so wait a minute! Wait a minute! So, how long have you been working with Ian Dale?
7: Honestly, I have been I've been working with Ian, well, probably I've been working with him for ten years in various different All ways. Right. We've been so doing the podcast in... for a couple of
12: years, yeah.
6: Okay. So it's quite interesting that after ten years of working with him and you've been with working with me for one hour and eleven minutes and forty-five <laughs> seconds, that I have the status of one of your children in terms of your affection towards me.
7: You have manipulated me into saying nice things about you,
6: haven't you? Manipulated. <laughs> I've just given you freedom to speak. That's all. That's all. You are excellent.
7: This podcast is excellent. And it's a great pleasure to be appearing on it with you.
6: Is that enough? Is that enough? If if that's all you're going to give me, uh, I'll take that. So So you're such a big Archers fan. And of that, mm-hmm. there is no doubt. How comes you'd never heard of Dumby Dum until a couple of weeks ago? Well, I don't know really, because I'm also a big podcast
7: fan. So I'm really, really grateful for the person mm. who was listening to me on the For the Many podcast when I was talking about the Archers. And I'm afraid where you win, hands down, Royfield, over Ian Dale, is that Ian is most certainly not an Archers fan. So, and I was saying that um, I really enjoyed it. But I didn't know if I didn't think there was a podcast. And then somebody contacted me to tell me about this. So that was, you know, I'm very, very pleased I've been introduced to you.
6: Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. Uh, Did you know that our listenership is international?
7: Well, we've had Margot, haven't we? So I assumed it was a
6: bit, Yeah. Well, I tell you what, normally I would say a third of our calls are stateside. But th- this week we only have Margot with a hard T. Uh, but we do have one of our European cousins, Iris from Germany, who calls. She calls from Hanover, so kind of like northwest Germany. And so here we go, us being international. Iris, you're up.
13: Hello, Lucy, Ralfield, Angela and everybody in Duntedam land. This is Iris from her yoga mat again. Thank you for admitting to not listening to the archive episodes. That makes makes me feel better. And uh, for your information, the data octopus is a Germanism. We say Datenkrake when we feel a little bit paranoid joining networks, giving out contact data, personal data for me. Being only onto the arches since less than five years, it would have been just fine catching up via any key episodes, no matter how randomly chosen from the archives. But here comes the scandal. I'm excluded. Not only are the archive episodes not provided by my podcast app, as you also experienced, but also many of the given episodes on the BBC4 homepage are not available for me. That's Brexit for you. (laughs) Awkward as it is, I made use of my new media skills and thereby have managed to randomly download two marriages, one court trial and one big confession. It is less overwhelming than I thought it would be. Only Jenny Darling, losing control and hyperventilating, has been really worthwhile. Well done, actress. I won't fuss about what episode belongs where anymore and only dig out one when I'm in bad withdrawal. Apart from that, I'll stick to the good stuff. Thank you for all the creativity you're putting out ever since we were all thrown into limbo. Sleuthy Lucy, decent and obscene Zoom meetings and the good old dum dum Take care. Until next time. Bye.
6: you saying, Iris. um, I learned something the other week which pertains to Iris. What was one of the things Iris said? Would you like to hear it? Of course I would. Right, here we go. So she said that Germans feel funny about giving their names uh, to, to, to organisations, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Tends to have this expression, the data octopus. She said this last week. I was there with Angela Barnes. Angela Barnes says, what the hell is a data octopus? And I said, I have no idea. However, Iris has kind of explained it. It's this cultural oh, reticence right. that Germans have for putting their names on forms. Um, How often is our census in the United Kingdom, former Home Secretary? Every 10 years, in the year that begins with a one. Exactly. In America, every 10 years. In Australia, every five years. Guess how often they do a census in Germany? Go on. Never, because of exactly that reason. Because because of the Second World War and... uh, the way that Jews were rounded up, you know, to you had to state who you were. So hence when the Nazis came for you, they knew exactly who was Jewish and who wasn't. There is no census in Germany. There is a it's reticence. Really a, exactly. I had no idea until a couple of weeks ago on the map corner podcast and Simon Kirstenmacher, who's a, a data mapper. Uh, he wouldn't quite call himself that, but he's the foremost guy on Twitter that do, that disseminates maps and he's just a lovely guy german lives in australia we did a a zoom show with him for for my other podcast map corner and he's all about data and he was talking about the fact that in australia the census is every five years and he can troll through the data and find really interesting facts about the way that people um Uh, spending money you know going to uh, travel times to work whatever and he says this is much harder in germany because there is no census for cultural reasons
7: well that's really interesting but it must be problematic as you say in all sorts of ways because you know the census data is used for planning public services for you know knowing what the population is in different places so how do they you know they must have to find different ways of doing that in germany
6: Obviously, there's going to be things like school roles, employment roles, but it's just a case of there is no central place for it.
1: Mm. You know, it's a case mm.
6: of you have to extrapolate it from here, from there, et cetera, et cetera. Who knew that there's no census in Germany other than the Germans? Of course, they knew <laughs> Irish or <from> Germany knew, <laughs> you know. But anyway, um, let's do um, our last caller, uh, inara and this is Fiona.
14: Hi, Royfield, Lucy, Angela and Dumpty Dummers around the world. Uh, this is Fiona from Manchester. I'm a third time caller in a row, um, although I haven't called in for over a year now. Um, last time I called in, I called myself Betty's ghost, um, but I forgot to tell you what I did. Um, I'm a clinical trials manager and I work for the NHS, so I'm currently one of the key workers as well. Um, I wanted to call in about Kirsty. Um, like Kathy, I find her quite whiny and boring, but she's had a lot to deal with. Um, and uh, I do wish her uh, well, and I hope that um, things will improve for her after she finds out what Philip is like. I think she's going to be obviously completely gutted when she finds out um, who Philip really is. And she's going to lose confidence in herself as a judge of character after the tom situation and then philip afterwards um i think she will probably try and try and have another um i think she will probably um have another relationship because i think she really wanted to have a baby and um i think she put that out of her mind because philip didn't want another child um i really think that the person who she would be best uh, with is not roy because he is quite similar to her and also quite a boring person but when she used to work in the nature reserve um i think she worked with someone called patrick or something and she seemed to go on really well with him and i think they would do well together and he would be a good baby daddy for her um i just had a quick plot prediction as well is that um i think when it comes to lockdown Gavin will go and live with the horses and Philip will tell everyone that Gavin's gone to stay with his mum uh, um because someone needs to look after them and um, make sure they don't they don't they get their food and don't get into any trouble um that's all I wanted to say thank you for carrying on with the podcast it's really lovely to um listen to everyone's thoughts about the archers and um feel like part of this community um take care stay safe thank you very much bye
6: and you're a vital part of our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're all in it together, my dear. We all love the Archers. Anything from Fiona's call uh, that uh, you'd like to respond to? your are mad.
7: <laughs> well, I agree with her about, I agree with her about Kirsty, although I'm slightly less, I'm a bit more hard-hearted about Kirsty than she was, because I don't think she's been unlucky. I think she's been... Well I suppose she has been you can have two bad in a row and that's bad luck isn't it or not that Tom was bad it's just that he well he, he behaved badly in the end Philip is obviously bad who knows perhaps she will decide that despite knowing that Philip is you know an evil gang master, that she will stick with him. Perhaps she, she'll turn into his mole or something and, you know, end up, <laughs> end up trying to defend him, even though she knows how bad he is.
6: But she couldn't, though, could she?
7: It, She's be- a decent person. I don't think she will, you're right.
6: Well, yeah, well... So the point of being slightly sanctimonious about doing the right thing, and I don't mean that as a pejorative, you know, mm-hmm. but but that is a character, you know, she came into the whole show as being an eco-warrior, having these ethics. And then there was just about two years ago, Crumbs, what was it that Brian was, it was the whole Brian and the, uh, the pollution of the village and she lost it, do you remember? Yeah. Um, yeah. There's a, so there is no way. She could do a one eighty and uh, and be literally in bed knowingly with a uh, a modern purveyor of uh, of slavery. You know, she just couldn't. I, I would I would love it if the writers thought they could pull it off. You know, but I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't buy it ninety nine point nine percent
7: of the time. You're probably right, which means therefore I also disagree. And I think she might, ha- however, however boring they might be, I think she could end up back with, or she could end up with Roy. They'd be a sweet couple.
6: Oh, no, no, no. (laughs) She deserves (laughs) so much better than Roy. Again, this is something which I, kind of an observation of mine, which I've been uh, banging on for about the last month or so. Unless the writers think of something fast, I don't see the point of the character of Roy. And the best way that I can kind of, Mm. describe it is strategically when you think of key relationships so what's robert snell's um what's the point of robert snell it's always to be a support and actually wise counsel for linda yeah because you could argue that robert snell had no point but he had a point because of linda linda is a key character he's not so much but he'd come in and he'd say lindy blah, 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 blah. And you went, oh, but yeah. he loves and he knows his wife, etc. cetera. Um, you go, Jennifer, what's Jennifer's role? Jennifer is the real glue of that scion of the archers family. I know they're aldridges, but they're yeah. archers and mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. She's the glue. She keeps it going, right? She knows that Brian has been wayward and whatever, but she's made a pact and she says, okay, um, you bring the money in, and I will keep this family together. And she's, and she's done that. Peggy, matriarch. Duh, duh. Yeah. Roy, what's the point of Roy? Explain to me. Right, you're right, honourableness. You can't.
7: No, no, you're right, I can't. You yeah, can't. There's no yeah. point
6: to Roy. There is no point. So it would be character suicide for Kirsty to be with Roy, unless Roy... Does some kind of one eighty and becomes, you know, it's like even Kirsty has a point. Kirsty is one of the moral compasses of the whole show, ethically. That's yeah. why Kirsty's there. You know, she has her ethics, and then she's a support for Helen. She's, a, you know, to say that Roy is Tom's mate isn't good enough because mm-hmm. it's infrequent. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not hanging out like, uh, let's say, Jazza and Ed do yeah they don't hang out enough so there's no point to him so i don't want my kirsty with him because it's just character suicide wouldn't wish that on anybody other than Gavin and philip moss you know you've sort of persuaded me you're very easily persuadable aren't i am
7: i'm very malleable (laughs) Mm. (laughs) (laughs) no but you make a strong argument You, you i think you're probably right yeah you make a strong argument
6: you know what um mom i'm gonna go back when i'm editing this episode i'm gonna go back and count up all the times you says royfield you're right and you know what
14: you haven't quite
6: said it enough you haven't quite (laughs) said it enough (laughs) um do we have any emails because i know that we do but this is what i say to lucy and then you and then you kind of like shuffle uh your papers or look on your all right we do Yes, Ooh, great. Oh, so here it is. Hello,
7: Royfield, Lucy, and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. This is Jenny from Southampton. I'm new to Dumpty Dum and a first time contactor, so I thought I'd give your texting option a go until I'm brave enough to call in. Um, let me just say, Jenny, they're very—he's very nice. Feel free to call in. It's all good. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, She says, I've been listening to The Archers since 2012, and my first Archers memory is of Shula trying to support Daryl. My favourite character is Ruby the dog, closely followed by Linda. I've enjoyed hearing the recent repeats from before my listening days, but I could have done without Tess's eviction from Grange Farm. Yeah, I cried. And Scruff's disappearance back to back. Dumpty Dum has been such a tonic during lockdown. Lucy is hilarious. Pride and Penny Hassett was a dramatic triumph. And Royfield has such a reassuring tone. It feels like listening to a real life Frasier Crane. Did you write this, by the way, Roy? No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if Royfield said everything was going to be OK, I'd believe him. Thank you to everyone who contributes to Dumpty Dum for providing such a diverting and community-minded podcast. Love of the Archers is something I share with my mother-in-law, Rosie, who has been listening a lot longer than me. We both have birthdays this week, so a happy birthday from Dumpty Dum would be really swell for us both as we celebrate under lockdown. Bye for now.
6: Well, Well, I think you should sing happy birthday.
7: You obviously haven't heard my singing then. Happy birthday to Jenny and Rosie without inflicting any singing on
6: you. <laughs> I hope you have the best birthday you can possibly have, all things considered, in, in lockdown. And i uh, tell you what you should do. Um, if you log on to Zoom on Friday, um, I'll make sure that the math dumpty dummers uh, will sing a happy birthday to you, even if our ex-home secretary won't do it will do for you <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget folks this friday um on zoom it's us and nigel your nigel everybody's favorite posh boy who fell off a roof uh graham seed will be joining us for one hour so if you've got a question for graham about the character of nigel or even what he's been up to since he fell off that great roof at lower loxley um join us on zoom and to do that what you have to do is dm dum or me royfield on twitter and you'll get the the credentials or join the facebook group i will definitely post it, all the details there tomorrow or go onto the flick app the details will be there if you can't get your head round zoom as i said earlier on in the show don't worry uh we'll post the link 15 minutes before we go live with the, with us, basically, on YouTube. So you can watch it from the comfort of your home, on your iPad, on your smartphone, on your smart TV if you've got one. Just chill out. Nice glass of red. Maybe a ass. I don't know. Whatever your tipple is, have that. Have your loved one next to you in the COVIDs. Roaring fire run. Then again, it's May. You don't need the fire run. Anyway, just be comfortable and watch. Dum-de-dum doing zoom with graham seed right now folks uh, we're going to take five uh, we're going to pay some bills around here it's going to be an advertisement break so camp coffee uh, is right by my side we'll come back the other side with a social media roundup from our millie bell selling a little or a lot
12: G'day everyone. Well, this week has been quite the technical challenge and I know that Yoko uh, Bear is going to find this very funny because he decided to have a bit of a break from social media. I started the week uh, being able to catch up with the um, archival episodes if I went onto BBC iPlayer and then they just stopped appearing on there altogether. <laughs> so I was trying to keep the conversation going on Facebook with absolutely no context. So um, in the end, I did manage to get some help from a couple of friends. So that was pretty awesome um, from America. So there's a bit of a time lag there, but I did my best. Um, Now, the beginning of the week was the one that I was able to catch. And that was, um, I thought, a very prescient episode. Um, It was when they were in lockdown because of foot and mouth. I was just interested to see how people felt about listening to that episode um, at this particular time. And Rachel Kennedy said, I was talking to my daughter, currently home from university, about the impact of foot and mouth on the countryside, the fear that every time you went out in the car you might be bringing it back to our farming community, the heaps of disinfected straw across the road on entry to village, the awful piles of animals in the hill not far away. I explained how it felt at the time to go on forever, but in retrospect I cannot remember how long. I told her that whilst it might feel that she's separated from f- Friends forever at the moment, it will just become a distant memory. Rachel, that's such good advice. Really, really good advice. And uh, I must admit that at the moment I feel like I'm hyper aware of things and going shopping, I'm hyper aware. And I was talking to someone and saying, How long will we feel like this? Once it's all over, will we always try to distance from each other? So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And Catherine Shorrock replied with, Rachel Kennedy, gosh, I remember that fear vividly. I was working in an office and didn't visit my family or the farm just in case I carried it with me. We were very lucky that we were a mile outside the nearest exclusion zone so I didn't lose everything. So, yeah, yeah, obviously was very impactful for those people that were there. Now, I think that that was in 1991. No. So the episode was from 2001, but the, they, um, the U.K also had outbreaks in '67 and 2007 as well. Um, so uh, obviously quite used to having lockdowns over there. Um, now, and then <laughs> I was able to listen to the next one, so it was an excellent archival episode, because that episode included both the backstory and the dramatic reveal. Um, and Angela Piper, um, who plays uh, Jenny was absolutely awesome. But I had forgotten what an appalling enabler Jenny is. Um, But I recognize that we all see people differently. And I wondered how other people felt about Jenny, um, particularly in that episode. And Linda McLaughlin was saying that uh, when Alice was born, Brian was disappointed she was not a boy. And before the birth was talking about putting his son's name for his old school, but it was a girl. So this is around the fact that the fact that Siobhan had had a boy seemed to impact on Jenny even more. Um, Susan barkett Gengras said, I'm not sure if she's a enabler or if she just doesn't know what to do if she's not Brian's wife. Isn't that just an excellent sentence? I have only been listening for 11 years, so I don't know all the ins and outs of the relationship. I think his cheating is a price she's willing to pay. But I got the impression that Jennifer was really crushed that Rory was a boy. I'm not sure if Jennifer ever felt inadequate because she and Brian only had girls. And I said, oh, uh, you know, I think you're spot on. Um, She doesn't know what to do when she's Brian's wife. Um, But he disclosed an affair. And and what got me was that without even thinking, she shut him down and said, well, OK, that's happened. And we're not going to talk about this again. And I was just like, whoa i would be having a long conversation in my house, I can tell you. But Susan uh, pointed out that um, Jenny got really upset about the baby because later when she was talking to Debbie, she said something like, and she gave him a boy. It made me wonder if that was something Jennifer had been upset about. So, look, I just want to thank the people that got involved in that thread. Because you obviously remembered a lot more from it and uh, you were were more spot on, I think, than I was. I I got so caught up with, oh, she's enabling him by letting him just forget it. But you heard some some really good nuances there, so well done. Okay, so then we got to the bit of the week where I just couldn't access anything and it was all getting very silly. Um, But I knew that that the episode I missed was about the Grundys leaving their farm. And I just said, hey, if you've got a comic, can you make it, please? Because otherwise I'm going to have nothing to talk about. And boy, were you awesome. So uh, Sally will, uh, Cadle said there were two strands to the episode, Pat and Tony visiting a health food shop that was uh, somewhere from Borchester as they wanted ideas for the shop that they were going to open. So lots of discussion about the location and what was stocked. And the other strand was the Grand, Grundys packing up to move to Meadow Rise. Um, and Quentin Bennett said the, uh, it's own, said to me, let me know that it's only available on sounds, and of course we can't get sounds if we're overseas, so the whole thing was a bit of a mess. This um, change um, that's happened in the last couple of weeks when we've been listening to archival events has had repercussions, I have to tell you, all over the interwebs. Um, apart from the fact that I believe that at some stage Bojo or Boris Johnson um, decided that he wouldn't play an episode, uh, that he had an announcement to make and therefore the archers would be a bit later, I thought was incredibly brave. Um, so that was one thing that I noticed. But the other thing I noticed was that um, Stuart Arendale, who's been doing Worst Character of the Week for years on uh, at the Bull, uh, upstairs at the Bull, I think the page is called, um, and I've been following it because I think he, his graphics are just fantastic, um, he's actually closed that down for a while because he said it's just not possible to do it at the moment. Like, that actually made me so sad. Okay, so last thread was about um, the flood, so which again, I couldn't listen to, but I was musing on the fact that here in Australia, of course we have fires and floods and low costs, and now we have COVID-19, and it all feels a bit biblical. Um, but I've, I've been struck over the two weeks, even though I haven't been able to listen to them all about how relevant they still are. And I wondered um, which storyline at any time had really hit um, the our um, Dumpty Dummers. And Abu Sue said, um, I was pleased to hear that they would repeat the Ambridge flood because I was away at the time uh, and seriously had no internet. I hoped it would shed some light on Culvert Gate, which I'd heard about on uh, Dumpty Dum, but unfortunately no such luck. Uh, why is this relevant to me? Because trying to catch up on the archers is how I discovered Dumpty Dum. I binge listened it for a year and then went back and listened from the beginning. And that's a lot of time out of my life, Roy Field. So take note, Roy Field. Uh, Witherspoon said, having gotten married in 2013 and having a parent who wasn't as over the moon as one would have expected, um, the episode that really affected him was um, Adam and Ian's union. Karen Cunningham said, I don't know, I can't bear to listen to anymore. You'd struggle to find a grimmer set of episodes than those that have been selected. Who has hurt the Arshers team? For the love of God, can we please have some cheerier repeats? <laughs> oh, gosh, and there was way, way, way more um, in that line. So if you want to join us, please do. We'd love to see you on Facebook. Uh, we are getting new people all the time, which is just awesome. And we'd love you to be part of that. Um, so please jump on. You'll find us under, um, just look up Dumpty Dum, and you'll find us. And it'll be either me or Yokel Bear there. So hopefully I'll be able to start listening to some episodes soon because I am going a bit nuts not having my daily serve. Um, But until I speak to you again, uh, I say to you,
6: hooroo. Thank you for that, Millie. Um, Do you love the social media roundups, Jackie?
7: I I like a bit of the social medias myself, so yes, thank you.
6: What's your uh, social media platform of choice? Bit of Insta, bit of Snap?
7: Well, I am on Twitter, and mm-hmm. that's my most sort of public social media, I suppose. I'm on Facebook for family and friends and I'm sort of on Insta, but I don't really, I sort of, I'm a very much a watcher on Insta. Snap, mm. never done it. I, you know, and my kids just keep telling me about new things that have arrived that I haven't even heard of, which I'm not on.
6: Gotcha. So that's your social media consumption.
7: Like, How long have you been on LBC now? I, I'm not presenting on LBC anymore apart from I do the podcast every week. I have done shows in the past and we've been doing the podcast for God, two and a half years, I think
6: now. Find, how did you find the transition from, you know, the one side of the microphone to the other when you were on LBC? Was that an easy leap for you to make?
7: I mean, I've made some radio documentaries as well. And, mm-hmm. um, it's very nice to be able to be a bit more questioning and a bit more sort of open about exploring ideas. Because one of the problems, you know, without getting overly serious about it, one of the problems with being a frontline politician is there is no space for you to say, well, that's interesting, but so's that. You know, you have to be all the time, you have to be completely conclusive about what it is that you're saying. And actually, it's quite nice to be able to be a bit more thoughtful and a bit more discursive about things, which whether or not it's the podcast or being on LBC or, you know, Good Morning Britain on a Friday that I do with Ian Dale, any of those things, because I'm freed Hmm. from being a frontline politician, I can be a bit more thoughtful, I hope, or a bit more controversial about things as well.
6: Was that a real kind of issue for you when you were, before you were Home Secretary, in the fact that you had to toe the party line, whether you agreed with it or not, did that kind of really rankle? Was it a case of I have to do this because um, there is, you know, there is the party. I'm in the party of government.
7: Yeah, it didn't rankle with me because I think actually our system only works if people stand on a party platform and are held to account for that. Platform, you know, of course, they'll bring their individual ideas to it, but there would be a certain amount of anarchy and very little accountability if everybody just went off and did their own thing. And the quid pro quo, of course, is that actually you're in a position where you can do things and make things happen. So in 10 years as a minister, you know, I was actually able to change things and I enjoyed that. But the downside is you do have to recognize collective responsibility and you do have to be loyal to the line and that's the sort of deal and it's a you know it's a fair deal but now I'm living a different life and I can enjoy that as well.
6: So you know if you look back at your career um, what is the one singular achievement you're most proud of? You can say you know what without me that wouldn't have happened or it wouldn't have happened in that way what would it be?
7: Oh I think before I became Home Secretary I was very proud that I did the civil partnership legislation Back in two thousand and five, six. Adam I and
6: Ian have you to thank their marriage. Then
7: I do. I was thinking about that when I was listening to the episode, and then as Home Secretary, I think it was things around. You know, there's all sorts of stuff in terms of tackling terrorism that obviously you don't talk about and people don't know about. But I was mm. proud about that. I was very proud about um, neighbourhood policing. Going all around the country during my time as Home Secretary. Those are some of the things. But there's, you know, there's decisions that you make every day that you think, well, that's made a difference to somebody. And and that's why you go into politics in the first place. So, you know, it's really an enormous honour to be a government minister. And despite all of the sort of hassle that comes with it, I'm very, very pleased to have had my 10 years in government.
6: Now you're a proper civilian again. You know, there isn't, you know, the person in the dark suit in the corner shadowing you. When you're in that queue at Aldi or Lidl, you know, <laughs> queueing up, you do not sometimes think, do people not know who I am? Why am I queuing up here? Come on, come on. It must be a little bit hard when you've had those ministerial red boxes and you zoomed here, zoomed there and whatever. And, you know, you're on this morning, um, the Today Show, sorry, et cetera. There must have been a a time when it was a when the adjustment was a little bit hard. You wouldn't have been human if if, if there wasn't that time. And it's a very big adjustment. If you have protection, which you do as Home Secretary,
7: it is quite a big adjustment to go from that back to normal life. That yeah, that is a big adjustment. It's a big adjustment to leave Parliament because all of a sudden you're not responsible for. Constituency, and for you know, I can always remember the day after I lost my seat, driving down the road, and there's a pothole, and I thought to myself, "Got to, got to get onto the council, got to get that sorted." And then the next thing I thought was, "No, you don't have to do that anymore." So that's a big adjustment. And um, funnily enough, the only time I do feel it is I'm a Villa fan, and um, whilst I was home, God, (laughs) whilst I was Home Secretary, uh, we would go. I had a season ticket, and so I used to go with the kids, even as Home Secretary. And of course, if you've got protection, you get driven there and we parked close by and, you know, we got in quite easily. So when I go to Villa Park now and I have to queue and, you know, find a parking space and all of that, I do sometimes think back to when I didn't have to do it.
6: This could have been the start of such a beautiful podcast relationship, but I realised you're a champagne socialist. Like you're not a real woman of the people, are you? Because oh, if you have
7: just said makes me a champagne socialist.
6: You're a Villa fan.
7: Oh, I see. I see what you mean. Yeah.
6: So the Earth Brummies support Birmingham City, the real <laughs> blue collar team of the city, the team if the Grundies were Brummies, they'd be Birmingham City fans. <laughs> the horror bins are Birmingham City fans. <laughs> Susan Carter, the social climber, would be a Villa fan. That's all I'm saying to you.
7: Okay. Along with me, the heir to the throne, the governor of the there Bank of you, England. Th- there the you Prime go. There that. you go.
6: I rest my case. I rest <laughs> my case. Jasper Carrot, man of the people. You can't get more brummy than him. Birmingham City. The Peaky Blinders. The gangsters, which have helped to reinvent the second city of the United Kingdom, Birmingham City fans. I'm just saying, we're all real, real well, people.
7: To... Right? Okay. All
6: right.
7: <laughs> so we were getting on so well, but basically, is that is
6: this it? Is it Ian all Dale, over now? Indale can have you. Indale can have <laughs> you. No, I'll send you back. I'll send you back, folks. <laughs> Folks, go to dumdidum.com It's got a shop, but don't buy anything just yet until the COVIDs are over because the people who are producing the stuff aren't sending it out. But go and have a look at our shop on dummdydum.com and just make a little mental note or maybe get out pencil and paper and just scribble it down and just say, when the COVIDs are over, I'm going to buy my loved one a dumdidum mug or T-shirt or a bag or something with our logo on. You can also go to dumdidum.com to see Lucy, in full technical and moving around, giving us uh, previous weeks in Ambridge. And you can see our Zoom chats uh, because uh, we put them up on YouTube and you can go to dumptydum.com to go and see them all. However, if you're kind of sophisticated with things online, why don't you go straight over to YouTube, type in dumptydum, you'll get dumptydum, and then subscribe. So as soon as we put up any new content, you will be alerted. And the trick is hit the little bell and you'll get it. You get the notifications first off. So that's dumdidum.com or you can just go straight to YouTube. Remember, to get
7: in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call
6: 0203 031 3105 to leave a message. Nicholas Barnes from Vitel. I will amend the script next week to have the text number on that. I've just realized as Jack is reading it out, I haven't changed it. Um, Twitter was where this show was birthed. You've you've heard me say this 330 times now, and I'll say it again. Without Twitter, there'd actually be no dum-de-dum. It was the rambunctious energy of those tweet-alongs and with the fact that uh, Lucy and I happened to tweet each other that led to this podcast. So... Twitter is always our spiritual home. You can find Yokel Bear at DumDe Dum or you can find him at Yokel Bear. Jackie Smith is at... Jackie underscore Smith one. Lucy is at Lucy V Freeman and I can be found at Royfield. If you like Facebook, you like Facebook. And if you like Facebook, you're that type of person that likes Facebook. So type in Dumpty Dum into Facebook and you get DumDe Dum on Facebook. Of course, you can listen to the podcast here on your podcatcher. And if you're doing that, why don't you write us a review? You can be honest. You can tell us we're rubbish. You can tell us we're good. Be honest. But we do kind of quite like five stars, just saying. And also, you can join us on our Flick app. Quite simply, get your smartphone out, go onto the App Store, whether it's uh, iTunes or whether it is the Google App Store, type in Flick. You get the Flick app. And then when you downloaded that, type in dum dum and you'll find dum dum on that Flick app. And it's my favourite little bit of dum dum social media. Ooh. Well, Mom, you're Madge. Uh, <laughs> you flirted with me outrageously, only to trifle with me and tell me that you've got a new boyfriend. How's it going with the new boyfriend?
7: It's lovely. Thank you, Royfield. Thank you for asking. <laughs> it's lovely. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously it's... It's slightly distanced at the moment, but um, mm. yeah, no.
6: Listen, there's not there's not many people that listen to this podcast, but um, so how long have you guys been together? It's just me and you talking now. Is, well, is there I'm any hope for give us? You all the is sort is, of is there any hope for us? Is there any hope for us?
7: Well, all I can Actually. say is you've been mm-hmm. an absolute pleasure to talk about the archers with so who knows let's not you know let's never say never Royfield and you know perhaps at some point in the future
6: hey and on that (laughs) note folks we'll see you in seven days time for another barnstorming rip-roaring episode oh barnstorming barn burning godness takes us back to the the mid-50s when uh, Phil lost his Mm -hmm. first wife never Mm -hmm. thought about that before when I say barnstorming Anyway, barnstorming and barn burning are actually different things. I'll wrap up. We'll see you again next week, same time, same channel, for another episode of Dum-de Dum
5: Following the Archers.
6: Say goodbye, Jackie Smith.
5: Bye-bye. Lovely to be with you.